2: This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by Online Great Books. If you've made a goal for yourself to read the great books of the Western world, but have had trouble following through, check out Online Great Books. It's an online platform. You sign up. They're going to mail you a physical copy of the book that you're assigned that month. They're going to provide you a reading schedule and send you reminders on how you should read so you can keep pace. Then at the end of the month, you're going to have a online video seminar where you can discuss the book with other people in your group. So if you want to learn more about this, go to OnlineGreatBooks.com. And when you're ready to sign up, use code AOM at checkout and you can save 25 on your first three months. Again, onlinegreatbooks.com. Code AOM at checkout. Save 25% on your first three months. This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. If you've been thinking about starting a website, but have been putting it off because you've been intimidated by the coding or whatever, Squarespace makes it super easy to create just a fantastic looking website in a matter of minutes. It's all point and click. And uh, it's just $8 a month, and that includes a domain name. No excuses now to get that web business or put up your portfolio online. So if you want a free trial of Squarespace and get 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code MAN, (laughs) M-A-N. Rhett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, I think most guys at one time or another have gone through this scenario in their head. What would happen to me if I was dropped in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, like, you know, in Canada, right? With nothing but the clothes on my back and my wits. Would I be able to survive? Well, our guest today has made a living answering that question for himself, but in front of millions of TV watchers. His name is Les Stroud. Better known as Survivor Man. You've probably seen his show uh, where it's just him and a camera that he's operating himself, trying to figure out um, how to survive in different locales around the world. Uh, but besides being a survival expert and a TV star, Les is also a musician. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about Les's just fascinating career, how he got into survival training. Um, how he developed the idea of Survivor Man. We're going to talk about tips and know how that he thinks everyone should know if they want to survive in the wild, if they find themselves in the middle of nowhere with nothing but the clothes on their back and their wits. And we're going to talk about about um, his music career, how wilderness survival training has changed uh, his music. And so it's an interesting podcast. Stay tuned. All right, Les Stroud, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Okay, so let's start off by talking about your history, because I know there's some of you who people who are listening that they, they know who you are, they're big fans of your show, what you do, but I'm sure a lot of people aren't, and I'm sure the people who know about you don't know about your history, your career history, because I think it's really interesting, because I know there's a lot of young men who listen to our podcast, and they're at, they're at that stage in their life when they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, and they feel like they have to figure out what they're going to do now, and they don't realize that, you know, opportunities come up, you know, you never know where life's going to take you. Can you talk a little bit about your, your career history? Because you didn't start off as a wilderness survival guy, right?
0: No, I mean, well, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, it, it, I came by it honestly in terms of my, my early past, my, my childhood in, in that I was a, you know, I, w- I was a big fan of, of of Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan movies. And I went to my cottage a lot and loved going out in the back 40s. So I had that within my childhood sort of DNA um, but I also uh, left it around the age of fourteen when I discovered rock and roll and focused entirely on being a musician for a good, solid ten years easily um, and it was uh it was around the age of twenty five I had been doing pretty decent and pretty well in 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 as a singer, songwriter, and so on. But not well enough, and uh, I was extremely disillusioned with the industry during the mid '80s. I hated the music of the '80s and didn't like what was going, and, and felt a lot of it lost its soul. And so I decided to make a big, a big, a big decision, and 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 quit all that I'd known. I mean, really, everything that I knew was about music. That's all I ever wanted to do. So, you know, and, and I quit it all. And when I when I decide, when I made that decision, um, two things happened the world lifted off of my shoulders in two ways. And the first way was it lifted off of my shoulders and that responsibility of trying to be that thing in music was gone. And then it was lifted off my shoulders and that, what do I do next came up and I, and I knew right away it's just wilderness adventure. Didn't have a clue what that meant, but I knew that was the direction I wanted to go. And I was, I was 25 years old when I made that decision to start to look into what it meant to, to be involved with wilderness adventure.
2: So yeah, the wild called you back.
0: Oh absolutely you know i I don't think it ever left my soul. um I know that even as a a later teenager not doing anything to do with adventure out in the outdoors, my buddies, my party buddies you know still used to nickname me Ewell Gibbons because for some reason I knew which plants to eat and stuff like that. so i must have i must it must have never left me somehow because. I, you know, I got that nickname for a reason, but it was certainly kept away from me until, until my mid twenties.
2: You decided to make this big leap and it was wilderness adventure. That's what you wanted to do. How did, was it sort of uh serendipity that led you towards the whole survivalist aspect of it?
0: Well, let's be careful with that word too. I never okay. call myself a survivalist, right. not, not at all. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an outdoor adventure, a wilderness adventure. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not a thrill seeker. Uh, I'm a documentary filmmaker, uh, and I'm those things and I've combined, I'm an entertainer and I've combined all those things. Survivalism, it's a, it's a, it's a very tricky word to use because it conjures up images of preppers and, and, and building bunkers for the apocalypse sort of thing of, of which I'm not, but so, sorry, what was your question again? So, yeah, how did you that? get
2: started? Like, I guess, you know, not the survivalist aspect, but you know, look, learning how to live off the land, um, yeah, learning how yeah. to, you know, just live with nature when you're out there by yourself.
0: Well, I mean, the first thing I saw when I started—I mean, I did the obvious thing. I just started looking in the newspaper and stuff. I didn't even know what to look for. I mean, I didn't know that you could do things like you could be a canoe guide. I didn't—I didn't even know, you know. I just—I just didn't know what was available to me. I was a kid from the suburbs, you know, and and uh, I always thought that when you went overseas to Africa or someplace like that or South America, well, that was only for privileged people. I didn't know it was something that a lot of programs had been developing that you could—I had access to. So I looked in the newspaper and I saw a little tiny article that was for wilderness survival training. And, of course, I thought, well, that sounds like me. Okay, I had no idea what it meant. It just sounded cool, you know. And I took the leap and 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 uh I enrolled in a, you know, in class and every Thursday night you meet in a classroom at the local college and there's some guy there and he starts to talk to you about wild edible plants. And and man, I just soaked it up. I was like, okay, I, we went out into the, you know, the, the first thing we did was, okay, everybody get up. We're going outside. And went off. We went to the valley. And as soon as I, I was in a classroom where we went outside and into the bush, I knew I was home. I was in the right place for it to learn the types of things I wanted to learn. And at that point. It's just this ever-expanding world of knowledge to, to partake of, you know, from, from you know, being able to dog sled and canoe and kayak to edible and medicinal plants to survival methods to wilderness spirituality to everything. And, uh, you know, there were certain areas that I – that I, well, actually, I, I went after everything. But there were certain areas that I really – took on well. And of course, survival was a big one for me.
2: Okay. So um, it sounds like you, are, you, you just mentioned you're kind of an entertainer at heart. You're in the music industry. I, I, did you have any involvement with uh, television and film before this too?
0: Absolutely. Um, as a musician, I worked in rock videos. Okay. Um, and so I did a lot of filming with rock videos and, um, you know, fast forwarding to the future and 10 years of nothing but wilderness adventure under my belt, not having picked up my guitar for eight years and, and done nothing with cameras or anything, I started to have experiences and to do things in the outdoors that I, as an entertainer, as a creative person, as an artist thought, boy, these would make some great films. And the only thing that existed back then at the time really was like the Warren Miller ski films. People weren't really filming their adventures. I mean, you, you couldn't cause the, the cameras were too big. Yeah. And so I knew though, that, that I had some great stories happening. The first thing I did when I was married was our honeymoon. We spent a year living in the bush we did it as if it was 500 years ago. No metal, no matches, no plastic, no nylon. And when we partook to do that, when we when we were about to do that, I knew that, okay, this would make a great documentary film. And I do remember how to be creative. And and so I took it upon myself to film that year. And that, that opened a lot of doors for me. Is
2: that how you made your segue into television host or film creator?
0: I would say yes, yeah, because that became a calling card. It'd be like, look – you know, then I started thinking this is fun. Now, my creative juices that never left me but were sort of laid a little dormant could now be combined with my adventure desires to create film work. And lo and behold, my past dream world of Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan, if you think about it, that's what Survivor Man is it's a hybrid of Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan. Yeah. And yet, uh, there I was in this position, having something completely unique no one else had ever done before, and able to say, "Okay, I'm going to film my adventures." And then I thought, "Hey, wait a minute! I really specialize a lot in survival. Why don't I? Why don't I film survival? That would be cool, you know." Yeah. And and that, uh, yeah, that led me to a a cold call for uh, for to pitch Survivor Man. There was nothing else like it on television at the time. Mark Burnett's Survivor series had come on air, but it was a joke. It was mm-hmm. not survival. But it also helped me to think, well, wait a minute, this idea I have, it might be able to take traction. Right? With that thing sort of distracting everybody and everybody going, oh, survival's kind of cool, but yet it's all bold, I thought, well, let me show them the real thing.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk about how, I mean, for those who aren't familiar with the show, can you talk about how Survivor Man differs from all the other, I guess, survival shows that are out there on the Discovery and History and all those other, I mean, what's, what's, what makes Survivor Man different?
0: The only one that's real. The only one.
2: Well, it's just you, right? Um, You and a camera. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have a cameraman. You don't have a crew.
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, everything else came along after because Survivor Man became such a strong show and a hit that then the creation of Man versus Wild and Dual Survival and Man Woman Wild and Naked and Afraid and Marooned. (laughs) All of this stuff came along after. In fact, the only one who's actually out there doing it. And I really still, I still knowing production as I do, I have my questions as the guy doing Maroon, he seems to actually have his shit together and be doing something for real. The rest of them are all staged. Yeah. Well, and, and if they're staged, they're not real. And if they're not real, then, then why are they pretending to hurt? You yeah. Know what I'm
2: saying. Yeah. That, that is interesting. Cause I, you know, I've, I've watched their shows and like, yeah, that doesn't seem like they're in any type of danger. Um, they're
0: not, not, it's completely set up and it's completely a matter of television production. The difference is when Survivor Man was created, it was created by, me, a guy who teaches survival, I love survival. I taught it. And I came, first thing I wanted to do was just simply teach. I just wanted to, te- to teach the skills. The other shows came from the side of television producers. What they wanted to do was jump on the bandwagon and, and produce a TV show. Yeah. Hence, you know, a guy like Bear is nothing more than a TV host. That's all he is. He is not a survival anything. Um, you know i wouldn't say the same for Cody. Cody knows his shit he's he's a good survival instructor, but the show Dual Survival is still just set up and staged so therein lies the differences. mine came from being instructional and really learning good shit, and the other shows came from. TV producers jumping on a bandwagon. Mm.
2: I mean, what do you think, I mean, these shows are like, all these shows are like, you know, pretty popular. Um, what, what do you think's going on? Because you're an artist, right? You're kind of a creative type. I'm sure you think about this, you know, what's going on in the culture, right? That would make these, like people would be drawn to these shows. Like they'd want to watch, you know, you in the middle of nowhere, you know, surviving with just you and your wits. I mean, what, what do you, what do you think's going on with the, the kind of the wider culture that makes people drawn to this?
0: Well, I won't comment on the other shows. Cause I think that's, primarily entertainment Um, in my case, uh, you know, I was very lucky. I mean, to back up a bit is to say that when I would create these shows, I would always concentrate and even meditate on the thought that, okay, I want to make something, I want to do something today that's inspiring for people, that will take them to a positive place and be a positive influence in their life. And lo and behold, I would get all these reactions by email of exactly that going on, things that had nothing to do with survival, just making building shelters and making fire. How can that be inspirational? But yet it was And I think that in a larger perspective, the survival itself, it touched on, you know, certain people's way of looking inside and going, man, I could, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could like have nothing and be like a cave person again and and survive like
2: I was. Wedding season is coming up and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? So if you want to try fast-growing trees right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when they use code MANLINESS at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using code MANLINESS at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code MANLINESS, offers valid for a limited time, terms and conditions may apply. masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss.
0: Caveman. I wonder if I, and so we've got that, you know, that inner sort of thing of of fantasy thinking, I wonder if I could survive if I threw everything away and just had to get my water, my food, cover myself from the cold, isn't that cool? You know, and then I think the other more fun superficial level are th- those that sort of watch more out of morbid fascination. It's like, oh, my God, is he really going to eat that? <laughs> That's the more fun side of it. You know, that brought people together, too. But as a result, the, 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 the demographic is wide from young kids right on up to senior academics and everything in between, because I think it was really one of those big questions. I wonder if I could do that.
2: Yeah. All right, if you are looking for another podcast to listen to that interviews experts to get insights on how to live a better life, make better decisions, one podcast I recommend you check out is The Jordan Harbinger Show. And I've had Jordan on my podcast Two times already. and I have him here again. Jordan, you just did an episode with General Stanley McChrystal about his new book, Leaders, Myth and Reality. So what's what does Stanley McChrystal say about the myth of leadership?
0: Yeah, he's got a lot to say about this. And the book and our discussion centers around the counterintuitive ability of leaders who value their own mission, essentially over the lives of the people who work for them, right? So he's got to send people to things where he's like, you might die And I thought, wow, what is that going to be like? What is that decision-making process like? And so we go over different leadership styles as well and the danger of these three myths of leadership. And he goes into detail in all this. And this is a guy who's had to deal with sending people, I hate saying it this way, but to their death or to serious bodily harm. And he's really had to think about this. So it was a very fascinating conversation with somebody. You know, it's different when you lose a couple million dollars of your company's money. It's a totally different game when you say, yeah, we lost, you know, 75 men and injured countless others and a bunch of civilians died. I mean, the stakes are just so
2: high. So that's episode 111, General Stanley McChrystal on on the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan, thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks for having me on, man. And now back to the show. I think all of us have that—that that, in modern life have that question.
0: We never get to answer it. Yeah, but but Les Stroud Survivor Man does get to answer it, and that's the cool part.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. Are there? Uh, have you had any close encounters with death during the show? During the filming of the show?
0: Uh, yeah, I've had a few. Yeah. Um, the two, the two most. The biggest recollection is is um, Norway episode going down the mountainside and and the potential for hypothermia there. That was more potential than anything that I narrowly uh, you know escaped. But the, um, the 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 heat stroke in the Kalahari Desert that was very dangerous. I mean that was a I did get heat stroke and it took five to six hours just to cool down and that wow. was a very dangerous situation to be in for sure.
2: Were, were, have you had any since outside of the show like before where it's just like holy cow I can't believe. I did that and I survived.
0: Yeah, but more, uh, I suppose being chased up a tree by a 1500 pound moose was, was <laughs> pretty, that was more, you know, one of those like crazy moments. Uh, that was pretty dangerous. I've, I've been, you know, slightly hymother- hypothermic on lots of things, but the thing is I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And in many ways I'm boring because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I set things up so that, so that I don't have, errors and problems. You know, that said, I found myself sweating to the bone and trying to get to my cottage this last uh, New Year's Eve with minus 45 degrees Celsius. It was a ridiculously dangerous situation, and there I am. Survivor man, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And yet I was caught. You know, in the middle of a frozen lake, you know, pouring with sweat, trying to get to my cottage, a dumb moves, struggling against slush, trying to pull a sled through. So those things happen. Um, but the closer to death are probably more the adrenaline things where I've been on a, a wild river paddling. Um, that's the situation where uh, it's, it's, you know... Your, your parts in your throat and, and uh, pulled a couple of those. But by definition, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. No. I'm, I'm very much about calculated risk.
2: Hmm. And I, I think that's interesting. I think a lot of people who are drawn to that, like extreme sports or like survival, they, they would say that they're not, ad- I've talked a lot and they say, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I like the risk, but I'm definitely not there for the, the rush.
0: That's so a different game altogether. Yeah.
2: Um, you've traveled all over the world. Is there any place in particular that you just loved... Filming
0: that—it's it, so hard to nail, nail one, but absolutely the high Canadian Arctic is always a thrill. Yeah, um, and the high Peruvian Andes is a thrill, and the Utah Canyonlands. Those places are the types of places where I, I like to say you could throw the camera on the ground and it's still going to get a good angle.
2: <laughs> it's beautiful out there. I've been—I've been to the Utah Canyonlands, but none of those other places. We're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Uh, When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to go to squarespace.com and enter the discount code or offer code MAN, M-A-N, to get 10% off your subscription and uh, also to show your support for the Art of Manliness podcast. And uh, now back to the show. So let's kind of like some, I like to ask like some practical tips from people who are experts. Um, When you're out, say if some, one of our listeners finds themselves stranded in the wilderness for some reason, right? What are the, the most important things a person should do in that situation in order to survive and make it in the wild?
0: Well, the big thing is to remain calm. Always, always, always remain calm. Um, and the way I like to describe the way to do that is I've sort of devised this in my instruction. As you know, that I've got some books out and stuff like that. And, and, and I want to do an updated version of my, my book called Survive, which is the manual because I've, I've sort of come up with a new methodology. I call the zone of assessment. And that is when you find yourself in a situation like that, you look at your three zones of assessment. So number one is your body, your pockets, your coat, whatever you're carrying with you and, and, and ask, you know, what have I got? You know, am I injured? What's in my pockets? Zone of assessment number two is the immediate surroundings, same question. And zone of assessment number three is the further beyond, what's around the corner. Once you do that and you determine, well, there's a cabin a half a kilometer away. I've got a backpack full of food and a tent. Um, I've got a broken ankle and I've got food in my pocket and a flashlight. Once you get all those answers, you now can make a proactively based decision or make a decision and, and then be, become proactive because you have answers. And that helps you to be even calmer. And that is what people forget to do. They run around and they get panicking. They forget. But if you just sit down and, and, and do your three zones of assessment, you will have enough information that you will know what to do next. And that's what's vital. All
2: right. So stay calm. That's the most important thing. Um, any advice for people who are listening? They're like, yeah, I want to do this too. I want to learn about wilderness survival. Um, anything they can do to get started with survival training?
0: Yeah. Well, firstly, is to remember that philosophically speaking, they have to understand something. This is a contact sport. Survival is a contact sport. It's not like you watch an Olympic ski jumper and then the next day you strap on skis and go off a jump. You don't do that. Don't watch Survivor Man and then head off into the into the bush next weekend <laughs> on your own. It doesn't work like that. You you could die. It's as simple as that. The wilderness is a completely neutral zone. There is nothing to be versus or against. The wilderness is just the wilderness. If you screw up, you screw up. It doesn't screw up for you but anything can happen so you have to realize that to get involved in survival is to get involved with something that is a demanding level of of skill required learn properly go take the classes go out with groups I went out for two years before I was doing solo stuff you know with groups and other students and and instructors people who had my back that's what you really need to do to learn these skill sets and then then, when you can go on your own and stuff, boy, it just feels amazing. But it's definitely not something you learn in one weekend, and then you're a pro. All
2: right. Um, so you talked about at the beginning how you left music, rock and roll, um, for eight years before you. And it was eight, year, eight years before you picked up a guitar. Um, yeah. And but now you you are playing again. You, you're aren't you? You're, you've put out a new album. I think you have another one coming out soon. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. How has your experience with you know being out in the outdoors? Has that affected your music at all or influenced it at all?
0: Radically so, actually. Um, What's happened is my creative juices have never stopped. I, I love being creative. I love being an artist. I love being prolific. And, you know, so I write books and so on. Well, musically speaking, I I allowed it to start to seep back into my life, uh, a number of years ago, and it's just been growing and growing, and now I'm at a place where, and I believe this too, I mean, once a writer, always a writer, and, and I'm at a place where my music is just it, it it surrounded with the influence of 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 who I've been and what I've done as Survivor Man, from the crazy ceremonies I did with remote cultures, filming the Beyond Survival series, to being alone on the middle of a mountain as Survivor Man, to all of my adventuring, which has taken me down a strong path of environmental concern and 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 wanting to celebrate nature and the earth and also wanting to protect it. So my music embodies that in a very big way. And my performances have large video screens and storytelling and imagery from around the world combined with music. That's like Dave Matthews meets tool sort of thing, or like Ray LaMontagne. And, and so very much so uh, it's all a blend. If you come to see a survivor man show survivor man in concert, you're going to get, you know, survivor man telling you stories and keeping it uh, and there's also going to be a, you know a rock extravaganza and and videos and and on all of that. So yes, it's very well blended. And you know what I like to say is come on man, I'm over 50. Nobody wants to hear me do love songs. So I'll do what I know really you know really well and 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 speak on subjects that I know really well and and uh, and, and, and and go from there.
2: Um so what can we see from you uh this coming year in 2014?
0: Well right now we're still rolling out brand new Survivor Man shows, um new Survivor Man classic shows, Survivor Man and Son where I went out with my 16-year-old son, uh Survivor Man Bigfoot where I'm on the trail of Bigfoot, uh and I've been, you know, they're do- everything is doing so well that yes, I will definitely be doing more filming and more Survivor Man work. And in addition I've got two new albums coming out and hopefully very soon launching a um a tour, uh a world tour on uh, as Survivor Man. And in this respect I'm hoping it's everything from opening up for a major act as a solo artist or my own stage with my full band and large screens where you come and it's just the whole extravaganza and everything in between. And as you know, my, the only thing that I really maintain a virtuosity on is, is, is blowing good blues harp. And so I like to take the stage at festivals and rock, rock people's socks off. But all of that is what you can expect because uh, I'm, I'm, I really feel at my prime. I really feel, um, full of energy and passion still. It's been 12 years of doing Survivor Man. Wow. Yeah. And yet I feel more energized now than ever before. Um, and I'm happy to, to keep up, to honor those that are the Uber Survivor Man fans and bring him into the new world of everything else that I do as well.
2: Very good. Well, Les Stroud, uh, it's been a, a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Our guest today was Les Stroud. Les is the star of Survivor Man, where it's just him and a camera trying to survive in the wild. Definitely recommend you check out the show. Check your local listings and air, for air times, and then you can also find out more about Les's work at lesstroud.ca. You can read his blog, and you can also find out more information about his music. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly.